My name is Ricky Spindler, and I am I'm the lead pastor here, and just grateful that you're with us today. If you have your Bibles and your devices, turn with me, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It'll take us a moment for us to get there. We've got we to do a little bit of setting it up today. As you're turning, let me just say I sent out an email this week uh, and a quarterly giving statement. Just letting, uh, just uh, if you're familiar with Stone Creek, been around here for a few seasons, you know that two times a year we receive designated special above and beyond offerings. We call miracle offerings around the two greatest miracles of Jesus' life, his entrance, Christmas, his virgin birth, and his exit, which is Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we do so really to, to invest in a major way in our kingdom builders' initiatives uh, locally and globally, what we're doing uh, around the world. And this year, our, our, our goal during this season is to uh, raise $200,000. And we will begin receiving those offerings on November the 20th. I spoke about this in September. We handed out the Kingdom Builders booklets and just hopeful that people have been praying and thinking about maybe what God is asking them to invest in what we're doing here at Stone Creek Church. Some of the things that this goes to is our big give that's coming up that you can sign up for in the lobby today. Uh, this year, our big give was roughly $55,000, and the price of turkeys went up five times. Come on. So we're still pulling it off, still serving the same amount of people, hopefully even more. God has been faithful in providing, but those are some expensive turkeys. Come on. My kids better eat every bit of that turkey this, this season. Uh, we're partnering again uh, with the church in Ukraine, Sergey and Natalie. Uh, if you've been watching that, you know that the, it seems like the Russian strategy is destroy all the power grids and to create a winter famine. Um, they're trying to starve them out, um, freeze them out, destroy any buildings. And uh, this church is so innovative. And they're taking tanks and leftover metals from different things, and they're building potbelly stoves from them. We'll show you some video footage of that here in a few weeks. And they're chopping down trees, rented a warehouse, massive warehouse, filling it with firewood and giving them out. And they're going all over Europe, literally all over Europe, and buying $1,000, to $1,000 generators and putting them in places that are housing thousands of displaced people. And so, man, we're literally going to be boots on the ground helping serve that. We're providing Christmas for all the kids that are in the pavilion uh, getting mental health help. Um, and so just we're providing backpacks for the Kateta school that's in a four-year famine, you know, that's in uh, Kenya. And so we'll be going over there in February. There's just a lot of different things that we're doing here locally and globally. And so I just want you to know nobody's getting pay raises and getting rich off of this stuff. We're really funneling it into the community and around the world. It's great to be a part of a church like that, isn't it? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. So thank you ahead of time for your generosity. It was, I heard a story uh, a few weeks ago in, in a book I was reading about something that happened in 2008 and 2009 in two different zoos, one in Egypt, one in Israel. Because of certain circumstances, uh, that, those two years, they were unable to get zebras for their zebra exhibits. So they got creative. They, they, they widened the distance for people to view the zebras. In other words, they put a little bit more space there, so people kind of had to look from far away. <laughs> then uh, come to find out that they bought some donkeys. <laughs> this is no lie, both locations, and they painted them with stripes. Oh, yeah. 
And so people are coming to look and like, man, that's a weird looking zebra. I guess it's a zebra. Finally, somebody took a picture of it and said, that don't look like a zebra to me and sent it to be verified from some veterans, or uh, not veterans, but um, vets, veterinarians, and come to find out that it was painted donkeys because the snouts were wrong, or not the right color, and the stripes weren't the right pattern. Come on. How many know, uh, you know the real thing when you see it, though? Come on. Yeah. And I thought about it. Like, what does this have to do with my sermon? I think a lot of times um, that's the way uh, we, we look at church sometimes. We try to dress it up and paint it and pass it off as the real thing. But in reality, it doesn't pass the test. And we just have to be very careful about what we're creating collectively and where we're moving as a church and make sure that it's built on the right foundations. And I think Jesus gives us a, a good picture because the church actually, if you believe it or not, through the power of the Holy Spirit, watch this, is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. As a continuation of the ministry of Jesus here on earth. We are the hands and feet of Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' ministry had three elements, three stripes, if you will. Uh, and, and, and we read about that in Matthew chapter 4. It says this, and Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So when I read that devotionally this year, I highlighted those three verbs. Uh, preaching, we said, is inspiration. Teaching is instruction. And healing, uh, we said, is the Holy Spirit doing impossible things. And our, our tagline for the series is two-thirds is not enough. So take any of those two things. Maybe I want to be a preaching and healing or just a teaching and healing or just a preaching and teaching. We want to be a full expression of the ministry of Jesus Christ. But in a lot of ways, more true in a Western culture, uh, it's more built on the first two, preaching and teaching, and leaving out because of the mysterious nature of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll leave out the impossible part of that. And so we've been leaning into that, that third person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, now God the Holy Spirit, exploring what it means to be a spirit-filled church. And one of the things that we've said is impossible happens when we partner with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission. I'm going to leave that up there. Sometimes that, even that phrase, the Great Commission, uh, people are like, what is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard that before. This is the mandate that Jesus placed upon his church, the early church, and also places upon all believers everywhere, the universal church, this mandate to take this gospel, this message that salvation in Christ alone, this message of the gospel, the good news to all the ethnoses of the world, all the different culture and languages of the world, this message that's centered around the ethic and message of Jesus Christ. And so impossible happens, we've said, when we partner with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission. This is um, alluded to and in great description described to Jesus at a Great Commission moment, Mark 16. This is where we get this all the world thing. Mark 16, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now listen to this. This is where it gets like out there. And these signs will accompany those who believe. 
In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. I am not advocating for a snake handling service, just so you know. (laughs) Symbolism in that part. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. So Jesus is saying, listen, in order to fulfill this great commission, it cannot happen in natural abilities. You're going to have to have an endowments of the spirit in order to fulfill this mandate that I'm placing upon you. And I think what I would say about that is, and this is where we're going to jump off here, is the only thing that hinders God's spirit working through us is us. The only thing that really hinders the activity of God on the earth in a great way, I'm telling you, is us. And we have talked about uh, the symbols of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the oil of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the water of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit. And today, we'll talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit. And the next time I communicate, we'll most likely talk about the dove of the Holy Spirit. Metaphors that help us describe the personhood and personality of the Holy Spirit. There are three primary warnings in Scripture when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You've got to be careful. The first one is don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Don't ridicule him, mock him. Second one is do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We often grieve the Holy Spirit as we go about our relationships. We can sadden, we can vex, we can trouble the Holy Spirit, the seal of our salvation, when we gossip, when we slander, when we allow bitterness and unforgiveness to take root in heart, those are at war with the Holy Spirit and we grieve him by how we treat others. Come on, I'm preaching good. Don't yell me down, guys. Come on. So the last one, though, the third primary warning around the Holy Spirit is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. And it says, do not quench the Spirit. One translation says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So, Here is the symbol of fire representing the person of the Holy Spirit. I can smolder the flames. It means to pour water upon the wood so it cannot uh, be flammable. I can can quench, literally, the Spirit's workings in my lives by my actions, attitude, and behaviors. Now, if I may, I'm going to um, be practical. I'm going to be pastoral here. I've been a, a pastor for almost 20 years now. I, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I try to astutely study the Holy Spirit's working in my life. And let me just give you, I think, two ways, primary ways, by which we quench the Holy Spirit. The first one, and man, this has been huge in my life, is this, is the fear of man. There will be a moment in your Christian journey where you will have a prompting, a leading, uh, the Holy Spirit asking you to do something that will make you appear foolish in the eyes of mankind. And you will wrestle in that moment, do I obey Holy Spirit? Do I obey that? Because if I do, it means i got to give something. i got to say something. i got to do something. It, it, it's going to paint me in a foolish way. I'm going to have to lay down my reputation in an act of obedience so that I can pick up the reputation of Christ. And that sounds easy and that sounds awesome, but I'm telling you, it is a real struggle. And, and we can say no to the Holy Spirit because of our fear of what people will think. And when we do that, we pour water and quench the Holy Spirit's activity. Have you ever been guilty of that? I know I have. The second one, and I'll unpack this one, is a willful ignorance. A willful, deliberate ignorance. 
Not all, what I'll say, ignorance is bliss. As, uh, I'll, let me digress for a moment and then I'll come back to the scripture on that part. Anytime I think of the, the if I can say it, the, the quenching the spirit, there is always a crazy story that pops into my head because I wasn't always the holy saint of God I am today. Come on, somebody. No, I say that. I'll say I'm the holy agitator. That's what I am right there. When I was in school or high school, I wanted to join the choir because um, there were a lot of pretty girls on the choir. I can't sing. I was like, man, but I can be in the choir. And I'm in high school, and we had um, candles. We were singing a song. Uh, old school song, go light your candle, Kathy Tricoli song from back in the day. Come on, run till the darkness. And we finished the song and our choir director said, hey, it's, let's just blow out your candles, turn them in. I didn't do that. I thought, man, I got a candle. This is awesome. I'm walking around with a candle, trying to keep it going, trying to do the wax thing. I had a mortal enemy at that time. I didn't like her. She didn't like me. Her name was Taffeth Reed. Taffeth, this was the 90s, had the biggest poof bangs you've ever seen in your life. How many, how many of you back in the day did that couple cans of Aquanet hairspray? Shh, there's holes in the ozone because of you. <laughs> Massive hair. She had her back turned, and I decided I'm going to threaten her with setting her hair on fire. So I'm taking this candle towards her, and I'd, I wasn't going to do it, didn't think it would happen, but I got probably six inches away, and I was just going to scare her. Somebody's going to see it. Ah, Ricky's going to set your hair on fire. When all of a sudden, it combusted combusted from the bottom to the top as quick as the speed of light in my mind. It went, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So, I mean, I stopped, drop, roll, beat the fire out. So I start smacking her upside the back of the head from behind. And she has no idea what has happened. I have gotten away scot-free. The brother's going to walk out until she says, what's that smell? And somebody who saw it from afar said, Ricky, don't set your hair on fire. He set your hair on fire. How many know some fires should be quenched in the church? Come on. Yeah. I just said that story to make a difficult subject really light, hopefully. But willful ignorance. Paul says this in regards to what we call spiritual gifts, which is our topic today, the movings of the Spirit. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. It's an interesting word he chooses there. First definition of that word could be to not know through a lack of information. I just don't know. I've never been exposed to that. I don't know teaching. That's one thing, but that's not the word that Paul uses in the Greek. The word he uses is to not know through disinclination, meaning I am, I'm choosing to willfully ignore that because I don't understand it, don't like it, and I'm just avoiding that part of it. Now, I just want to say a few things uh, here, and I'm about to talk uh, probably out of all the New Testament writings about one of the most controversial subjects and portions of Scripture when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, and I know that, but I also know that uh, we shouldn't neglect all certain scriptures because they're difficult to talk about. And what I want to talk about here in the next few moments is this topic of spiritual gifts and being empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. And I would say uh, there's a variety of, of spiritual gifts. In fact, every gift you've ever gotten from 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a spiritual gift. Salvation, spiritual gift. And so I'll just say this. There's a lot of different categories of spiritual gifts. You have what we call the operational gifts, which are, are functional in the sense of leadership is a spiritual gift. Administration is a spiritual gift. Mercy, just feeling empathy and compassion for people, is a spiritual gift. Encouragement is a spiritual gift. Generosity, those that just, man, when I see something, I just feel compelled to give in a tangible way. That's a spiritual gift. Then you have the office gifts, Ephesians 4. You have apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And then you have the ministry gifts, which we'll be talking about today, that are more mysterious in nature. We need all of them. And guess what? All of them are in this room right now, and you have some of them in you. Because the moment you are born again, you have spiritual giftings. And uh, what I want to do is I want to define what I mean, what the Bible uses the word spiritual gifts. It uses a Greek word called charisma. And it means this grace gift. It's a grace gift. Now, I'll say this about grace. Uh, grace, the Bible says, is manifold, and it's a manifold grace of God. It means you're never going to fully understand it because there's always another fold to it. You, it's like origami. You pull it, you pull it out. There's always another, another fold to see, another thing to experience. And the grace of God has, uh, is not limited to just your salvation experience. God's grace at work in your life doesn't stop at salvation. That same grace that saves you uh, as the gift of salvation also transforms you and gives you the fruits of the Spirit, but it also empowers you with these things called charismas, these grace giftings. Uh, charisma, or what we call a grace gift, I'll, I'll use a big technical definition, is the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise a gift for the edification of others. Now, I'm going to leave that on the screen. I'm going to break that down even more simpler. A spiritual gift is a God-given and empowered ability to serve him in a way that benefits others. It is a God-given, empowered ability to serve him in a way that benefits other people. So its purpose is to build the church, to clean the church, to direct the church. So what I want to do is I want to talk about, before I tell you what they are, I want to talk about what they're not, because that's important as well, too. And I know this is a difficult subject. Some of you are like, what is going on here? I would just say, look at me and smile, and I will think the best, and I'll preach way better, okay? <laughs> what they're not, they are not natural talents. They're not natural gifts. They're spiritual gifts. The Spirit owns them. However, I do believe that they work often hand in glove with our natural giftings and our natural talents. They're not given to an elite few. There's not a few groups of people. They're not limited to the paid pastoral staff. Every single person in the church has spiritual giftings. You have them. They're not given to an elite few. Next, they are not signs of spiritual maturity. You're not more mature if you seem to uh, flow in an office gift, in an operational gift, or in these spiritual giftings. If you can pray for people and it seems like God has blessed you in a way where you pray and people get healed, that doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature. They're not signs of spiritual maturity. They are not fruits of the Spirit. They are completely different. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit within you in a private way is the fruits of the Spirit. 
And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in you in a public way is the spiritual gifts. It's the gifts of the Spirit. They're two separate things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a lot of teaching uh, today. This first is, when Paul writes, we're about to read, the most longest chapter in the whole Bible on spiritual gifts is the one we're reading. We're gonna study today. Now I'll say this. When Paul writes that, spiritual gifts appear in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 13 has nothing to do with spiritual gifts, it seems, because it's all about the fruit of the Spirit. And many of you read that chapter at your wedding. And it's all about the chapter, the love chapter of the whole Bible. So it goes 12, gifts of the Spirit, 13, fruit of the Spirit, love, and then it goes 14, correction of abuses and excesses. And so here's what I learned from that. Number one is that the fruits of the Spirit are the platform on which the gifts of the Spirit operate. That means this, we have to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, the character, the integrity work of the Holy Spirit in our life at the same time that we're pursuing spiritual gifts and use. Because if we neglect the fruits of the Spirit in pursuit of the gifts of the Spirit, listen, that's going to lead to a whole mess. We need integrity just as much as we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I will also say this, is that anytime spirit and flesh connect, there's always excess and there will always be abuses. Always. There will always be a part of that, but I'm not going to let the, the actions of a few prevent me from experiencing this beautiful grace gift that God has for me. Do you know the word grace? It's the first definition in a biblical way is to experience the full beauty of something. When, in Greek culture, when you experience uh, some, the full beauty of something, you would say it was full of grace. And I don't want anything. I'm not going to let somebody else's actions and abuses and their things prevent me from experiencing all the beautiful grace gifts that God has for me. And the last one is this. It is not something to fear. The Holy Spirit is not weird, but people are. Come on. <laughs> Am I right? How many of you ever met somebody that's weird? Don't point to them, don't elbow them, and don't look at them right now. And if you married it, that's on you. That's not on us, okay? It's not something to fear. The Holy Spirit is never weird. So with that in mind, with your permission, I'd like to just read these uh, ministry gifts outlined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read all of them, and then we'll define them. Here it is. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another, uh, still another, interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So there's nine uh, what we call ministry gifts, spiritual gifts listed here, and I want to define each one of these for you, and again, these are on the app as well. So the first one is the spiritual gift of wisdom, and it means you are given a divine answer or solution for a particular situation or event. I'll leave that on the screen. 
It's a divine answer or solution for a particular situation or event. Wisdom is the greatest anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the reason it's listed first in this list is because wisdom governs all the other spiritual gifts. Wisdom is the gift that everyone needs but no one really wants. I want the miraculous. I want all these things. No, 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 no. Start with wisdom. I say that uh, if you were to think of the, the flow of the Holy Spirit like a river within a church, a flood does great damage and destruction. We don't want a flood. We want a river. It can be used for transportation. It can bring life and it can be uh, utilized over and over and over again. But what makes a river great is its banks. And what wisdom does is it helps you govern the expression of the spiritual gifts within a local context and setting. So we need the gift of wisdom. Next one is the gift of knowledge. This means to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. It means you didn't check their Facebook page and pretend like you got some awesome insight when all you did was some snooping around. No, a gift of knowledge means that you know something specific without having learned it by natural means. I'll leave that on the screen. I was in a, uh, on a fishing trip with a group of guys once, and some from Stone Creek, some from other places. It's late one night. We had finished fishing all day. I had some seminary work to do, so I came into my room about midnight. I was so tired, and the last thing I wanted to do was have a conversation, but this person had been waiting up to talk to me and had a chair in the middle of the room and said, sit down and let's talk. About midnight, he begins to disclose to me, he's been married like 30, 40 years, and discloses to me that he's leaving his wife. And all the reasons, had a list. And just telling them to me. And I, I was listening, but I was kind of praying. I was like, Holy Spirit, you got to help me on this one. And I, it, it doesn't always happen like this, but it was almost like the volume of his voice went down. And I had just a sense that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. You know what the Holy Spirit, I felt, said to me in that moment? Ask him what her name is, what the other woman's name is. I'm like, uh-oh. That fear of man thing? Do I obey the Holy Spirit? I don't know. It's a big dude. I said, hey, I'm just going to interrupt you right now, and here's what I want to say to you. I just feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to ask you a question. Can I ask it? Here's what I'm sensing. I feel like God wants me to ask you, what is the other woman's name that you haven't even mentioned yet that you're probably having the affair with? Ooh, it got quiet. And I'm telling you, wide as a ghost. And that changed the whole conversation. You know what that was? It was a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit revealed to me in that moment something that I could not have learned from natural means. Next is the gift of faith. It is a supernatural impartation of belief or confidence for a specific situation. I'll say often it's faith for a breakthrough in some area or situation. I think this is the one that's underrated. I think this is one that we don't ask for and, 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 and really operate in enough. That, uh, that for whatever reason, I just seem to have the spirit-born faith that there's a different outcome that's possible if we'll just lean in through prayer and fasting and just believe God for a different outcome. That's the gift of faith. The gift of miracles is the divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances, a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Okay. Next is Prophecy. It is a message of encouragement 
from God through a person. Now, I want you to leave that one up. This is the most abused of all of the spiritual gifts. Somebody comes to you and says, well, God said this is what's going to happen. I literally had someone in high school, I was dating a girl at the time, uh, come to me and her after a prayer meeting and say, this is what the Lord says, you two are going to get married. I'm thinking, I don't want to get married to anybody right now. And that didn't happen, but it, it brought so much confusion. Let me give you some, uh, some ways to avoid this ruining your life. First is this. Number one, if God hasn't said it to you first, it's probably not right. Prophecy in Scripture is always confirmation. It's not to declare something new to you. It's to corroborate because you're your own prophet first. That's why you got to read the Scriptures and have regular times of prayer so that you can be that your own prophet first and the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And then if somebody says something and here's a scripture for you or says, man, this is what's supposed to happen, then it's okay. Yeah, that seems in line. Mm, that's probably not for me. And secondly, if it goes against the scriptures, just throw it in the trash can. That is never of the will of God. And thirdly, here's just a, an extra one. If it's demanding that you make life-altering, life-changing decisions that's going to impact a lot of people in a very short period of time, discard it. Most likely, that's not from the Lord. So, prophecy. Next is this, the discerning of spirits. To be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. Well, have you ever just knew that you knew something was off when you got in a situation around somebody? My wife is the queen of this one. Ricky, I don't know how I know, but something's wrong over there. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do anything with that person. Something is off on that. Well, that's often the Holy Spirit giving you a warning signal. The spirit behind that's not of the Lord, no matter what it looks like, no matter how many stripes you paint on that donkey. Well, that's not a zebra. Next is healing. It refers to supernatural endowments of divine health. And I will move it beyond the boundaries of divine health. It's taking broken things and putting them back together. So I would say with healing, emotional healing, relational healing, mental healing, any most certainly physical healing. Next one is this, and I'll spend, these are probably the most controversial of all, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Obviously, they go together. Uh, this is the public use of speaking in tongues. And I'm going to use the, 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 the scripture's language there. This is not the private use of spiritual language. That is a sign of spiritual submersion that we talked about before. This is a public message speaking in tongues in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. And again, I said it's in a public fashion. Now, let me say this. Some of us come from charismatic or Pentecostal backgrounds where we're used to, it seems like, the same two or three people hijacking every Sunday morning service with a thus saith the Lord message at the most spontaneous moment. Anybody ever seen or experienced something like that? I remember in high school when I invite my friends, I'd play, oh God, please don't let this be the Sunday that she does it. Come on, maybe I'm the only one. I'm just being the most honest up in here. That's what it is. When it comes to the use of this gift, can me just say, when it comes to governing it within a local church, I don't believe it is to be spontaneous. I believe it is to be subject to the leadership of the local church, the pastor and the elders. And if you ever feel like that's a gift to flow in, then you have to come and present it to the gifts or the leadership gifts of the elders and the pastors to find out if it is the right time or if it should be done at all. And some would say, well, that's not how it happens and operates. Then I say to you, hey, listen, 
There's a lot of wonderful churches in town. Go find another one. That's the case. Because we may not know you. We don't know what spirit you're of. And we're not going to give you just the right to just hijack the service and take it any way you want to. Well, good preaching there, pastor. I like that. (laughs) Next is this. The interpretation of tongues. And this is where it was publicly given. And so now it's publicly interpreted. Understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message in tongues. Now, just to be honest with you, we can flow in any one of these gifts in any time because we will need at some moment, at some point, to use all of these. There will be a moment where somebody's sick in front of you and you're gonna have to ask, God, God, heal this person. You're gonna have a decision to make and you don't know what to do or there's a problem presented before you and you need a word of knowledge. You need an insight that you can't learn somewhere else. You're going to have to have a word of wisdom, a solution that for your company, and, and you need to lean on the Holy Spirit and tell me what to do. Um, but I want to give you the, uh, maybe if I can, in closing, what I believe the gifts of the Spirit are for. And they are for this. They are God's arsenal for spiritual warfare. The gifts of the Spirit are for you to wage warfare against the enemy as you do this this thing called taking the, 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 the great commission to the, the gospel to the world. The first category is this. You have words of wisdom, you have words of knowledge, and you have discerning of spirits. These expose the plans of the enemy. They make you aware of what the enemy is doing in a person's life, in a region, in a situation. They're, the Holy Spirit reveals the plans of the enemy, exposes the plans of the enemy. The next one's what we'll call um, these are the perceiving gifts, but the next one is what we'll call the power gifts. These are faith, miracles, and healing. And what they do is they help you defeat the power of the enemy. They help you defeat the power, not the plans, but the power of the enemy. And the last one are what we call the proclamation. They are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. They strengthen the hand of those who fight the enemy. I remember... It was a few years ago when I first became the lead pastor. We, uh, you know, as I started, first two years, we probably had about 150 to 200 people leave during the transition. I was following a leader of 28 years, our legacy pastor, Gary Grogan. It just seemed like everywhere I looked, there was turmoil. Giving was going down. Attendance was going down. I was completely discouraged as a lead pastor. I'm 38 years old. I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to be a lead pastor for two years, and I'm out. Deuces. Got to go. And, um, and then COVID hits, and then I'm like, I'm really messed up. <laughs> um, guys, I remember I was in a prayer meeting in Springfield. A, a friend of mine was leading a prayer meeting there. I wanted to drive over on a Tuesday night to be encouraging. And I remember we were responding to the prayer meeting, and they were calling us forward just to find a place to pray. And the speaker says this. He stops and he says, Ricky, he, he, was, he, he knew who I was. He says, as I'm walking to pray, The Holy Spirit's going to give you a verse today. You are going to get a verse in your time of prayer that's going to transform your situation. As I'm walking, I kneel down, and in my mind's eye, I see the verses. I just, like as clear as day, I see it. Like I just saw a picture, Psalms 86, 14, boom. And I'm like, I don't even know what that says. I'm opening the Bible, and I'm reading it, and it just encouraged me. It put faith in my heart. It's like I knew that God saw me in that moment. It was just an incredible, encouraging word to keep moving and keep fighting and that God knows and I'm going to make it. 
You know, there is this verse when, in regards to the flame as the worship team comes. It's easy, it's, it's possible for the, your belief in the, and, and for the flames of the Holy Spirit to be diminished. But in 2 Timothy 1, 6, he says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, because he wanted to leave, he wanted to quit. I want you to fan in the flame the gift of God, which is in you. I want to fan it into flame because it is possible to go through this thing called Christianity and have no life and no fire to it and have movement, but it'd be incredibly cold. I heard this story recently in October the 11th, 1775. There was a whaling ship called the Herald off of the coast of Greenland. They were chasing whales when they saw a ship drifting in the water and they went up alongside of it and on the mast, um, everything was tattered. The sails were tattered and hanging limply. Nobody seemed to be moving, so the captain said, get on board and find out what you can. And what they discovered written on there was it was the ship Octavia, which had been reported missing in 1761 and no one had seen it, get this, for 14 years. And every single person on board was frozen in place. They had somehow wandered into a frozen environment and had unable to get out of it and unable to get warm. They froze to death and they were still frozen on the ship. And been wandering around. Watch this. They were still moving, but there was no life. They were incredibly cold. Listen, I refuse to be a part of a church where the Holy Spirit is not prevalent and the gifts of the Spirit are not flowing in an operation. We don't want to be a cold, dead church that's doing big gifts and serving the community and just doing all these things without the touch of the Holy Spirit. All right? Because our acts of service are great. They're awesome. But unless the Holy Spirit breathes on and grace is dispensed and lives are transformed, then we're doing it all the wrong way. So, Pastor Ricky, how do I fan that in a flame? How do I stoke those fires? I got two minutes left. Let me give you some practical ways that you can increase the workings of the spiritual gifts in your life. First is this. Study what the Bible says. You should not take my words for this. You should never just blindly receive what I say to you on a Sunday morning. You should study the scriptures for yourself. I've put the, the four primary areas in the entire Bible where they are. You study them for yourself because here's what happens. When you increase your biblical knowledge, you increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And when you get the word of God in you, there will be a faith, an expectation built up for you that maybe God could use you in that way. Second is this, make them a matter of prayer. Make them a matter of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So we are to eagerly, with great expectation, desire them to pursue them. Why is that, guys? Because you and I eagerly, desperately want people to experience the same grace of God that we have experienced. Because let me tell you, how will your coworkers, how will your family members, how will your classmates experience the grace of God? How will that happen? Are you ready? Through you. As the Holy Spirit flows through you in a ministry gifts way, an operation gifts way, an office gifts way, as he flows through you into them, that's how the grace of God moves. It moves through people. Next one is this. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, Even so, since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church 
that you seek to excel. So I'm to contend for them and I am to aim at them, to seek after them. So you increase your biblical knowledge and then you make them a matter of prayer. And lastly and most importantly is ask God for his divine love for the people that you serve. Because if you love God, here's what I promise you, or if you, or if you love people, God will use you. The spirit of the gifts is the spirit of love. That's why Paul puts it right after them in 1 Corinthians 13. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have absolute faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Here's why love is so important. Because it keeps you from using the gifts with wrong motivations and wrong purposes. And I'll say another thing as I close. It's easier to receive the gifts of the Spirit than it is to develop the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are easily received, but the fruits of the Spirit take time. You know what I always pray? God, don't let my gift take me somewhere that your fruit or your character can't keep me. I want to be someone who flows in the gifts but has incredible integrity attached to it as well. Because if those gifts start elevating you and you're starting to use and you don't have this foundation, that's called a downfall and that's not going to be good and people are going to get hurt. So let's all stand as we close now and make this a matter of prayer. Thank you for your patience and thank you for letting me deal with such a difficult subject with you today. I want you, if you don't mind, as in a particular fashion as we do here at Stone Creek, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to have a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask you to put your hands in front of you in a sign of surrender, palms up, and then we'll have a moment of worship here in a second. This is your time to pray. This is your time to talk to the Lord. And maybe you're in this room and you've never experienced saving grace. You never experienced the beauty of the gift of salvation. Maybe you were hurt by a church. Maybe you've been in a season of destruction and you're thinking, man, I'm just going to give Jesus a chance one more time. Listen, I'm just encouraging you right now to surrender fully, not by degree and degree and degree, but to surrender and receive the grace that comes through the person, Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you need to do that, just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Save me. Let me receive your grace. And now I want to speak to those as they're praying who are in Christ. We've been praying the same prayer every week in this series. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit, come on, with your words, not your head and heart, would you do it? Come on, church. With your words now, would you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come on. Just begin to say, come, Holy Spirit, fill me, fresh and anew. Now I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. Give me more of your grace. Some of you are leaders in here, and you, and you have the gift, the spiritual gift of leadership. And for whatever reason, you fear, maybe the fear of man or... You're just like, ah, I just can't do that. But you feel the prompting. Some of you just, you just sense, man, you know what? It's generosity. I just keep feeling compelled to give, but I just, for whatever reason, I'm so, this economy, I just don't know what to do. I don't know. Holy Spirit speaking to you. Just ask for the Holy Spirit to allow his gifts, his grace to flow through you.
And if you feel like you've quenched the Holy Spirit, just ask for repentance. Say, Holy Spirit, stir up the gifts on the inside of me. Help me to discover them. Make me aware of them. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Two-thirds is not enough. Lord, you've given this mandate to take it all over the world. And that's what we're doing here, locally and globally. But we can't do it without you. We need these gifts of the Spirit. We repent of the fear of man. We repent of willful ignorance. And though we lean in again, we refuse to allow the excesses of a few to prevent us from this great beauty of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask you, pour out your Spirit in a great way. And Lord, I pray that you would gift us with whatever the situation we need. May we find you readily available, Holy Spirit, to help, to deliver, and to use us in a great, and fill our hearts. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit, lastly now, to fill your heart with the love of God for people. Fill our hearts with the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing as we worship the Lord.